Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision once again to tune in and invest in yourself today by joining us for the Business Creators Radio Show. We, su- we are a from-the-field podcast. We take you where you go to discover those aha moments and those breakthroughs that move your business forward. Where is it that you have these conversations, these mastermind-level conversations, where you exchange ideas, you get inspired by what the other person says, and you create concepts and strategies together that are greater than the sum total of what each of you could have done on your own. Where are you when you're sitting in on these conversations? Are you at the networking function after the seminar? Are you at the networking function before the seminar? Are you at a coffee shop, a cigar shop? Are you sitting out at a cafe like I am today with a little bit of uh, extra traffic flowing by? Do you hear birds chirping in the background? Do you hear waves crashing if you're on a balcony that overlooks the shoreline? These are the places where we make some of our most profound discoveries, and we are all about busting out of the office and getting to where the brilliance and the passion align. Get your pad of paper and two pens out and be prepared to capture those little aha moments that will give you the slight edge and move you forward in your business. Now, today, we are going to discover what Aristotle, Steve Jobs, and Darwin have in common. I'm not going to tell you what that is yet. I'm going to let our guest introduce that to you. And speaking of our guest, we have a treat for you. Her name is Joyce Shulman. She's the co-founder and CEO of nine, excuse me, 99 Walks, a wellness and walking lifestyle brand, community, and app on a mission to forge connection and get a million women walking. So we're going to hear more about her journey in just a second. But for now, Joyce Shulman, come on in. The weather's fine. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I left out some aspects of your official bio because I want you to actually tell us in your own words. So take us on a little bit of a journey and show us what happened with you or what you experienced. (laughs) It brought you to this place now where you serve business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Uh, I don't know that we have enough time for that entire journey, but I will do it as succinctly as I possibly can. So I uh, I was a commercial litigator. I was a lawyer by background, but I've always been super entrepreneurial in my spirit. In fact, I started my first business while I was in law school, which is not a terrific idea. Uh, but uh-huh. uh, about 20 years ago, my husband, who has been my business partner since then uh, throughout, and I quit our jobs. We sold our New York City apartment. We moved out of the city and we started this entrepreneurial journey. And we're four businesses and 20 years in. Wow, fantastic. So 
Uh, how did you first discover the power of an intentional walking practice? Because that's kind of what this is all about. So, yeah. So right right now we are deep in the midst of building 99 walks. And the focus, as you say, is on encouraging and helping people to build what we call an intentional walking practice. And that is when you carve out some measure of time to step away from your computers, to step away from your phones, and to really give your mind and your mood and your body the best opportunities to function. So my personal connection with walking and that practice started a long time ago. My dad is a retired coach and he has always had a really good instinct for people in general and me in particular. And I I specifically remember this one day I walked in from school. It was high school and I was in a terrible mood. And I don't know if it was, you know, mean girls or a bad grade, or maybe it was nothing. It was high school, right? So it could have been anything. And my dad took one look at me and he said, go for a walk and then we'll talk. And I took his advice and I dropped my bag on the couch in the den and I walked right back out the door and I took a two mile walk around my neighborhood. And I remember as I walked back in to my house, how my entire mood had shifted. And that experience stayed with me and was the first of my recognition that walking really had the power to to transform the trajectory of a day. Okay. I just had an epiphany here. (laughs) I remember, I remember when I was growing up, uh, uh, going to school growing up was basically a nightmare. I don't have a single positive memory of it at all. And I can say the same about many other things as well. So I wanted nothing more than to go up in the field and walk for miles and miles and miles and miles. You just explained to me why that is. Yep. It's incredibly powerful for your mind, your mood, and your body. And we can dig into all of those three things if you wish. Let's do that because I kind of just want to turn you loose on it. This is something that I don't really know a whole lot about. And as I share with our listeners, I'm not only the host, I'm also the number one listener and number one student right there in the front row with my pad of paper and two pens out. So I'm just going to turn you loose. I'll jump in every so often if something you say um, inspires me or if I have a question that just can't wait. But tell us about those three things. Go ahead, Joyce. Before I do that, I'm curious, have you held on to that walking practice? Yeah, I do it your- every- yeah, I do it every day. How and what do you find? You do it for your mind or your mood or your body or all three? It's basically all three. I mean, uh, candidly, I get benefits in all areas. But uh, what I, but what, where, if you were to ask me one thing that walking really helps me with is when I can't seem to get my mind together, going for a walk helps me do that. Because if I'm in one of those places where it seems like my mind is in a hundred million, going in 10 different, hundred million different directions, and I'm trying to get focused, I can't get into one thing. It's usually because there's some sort of inspirational breakthrough trying to happen. And there's something about walking that facilitates that, that allows whatever it is that's in there to just come out. And then I come back with some sort of strategy or at least some inspiration and but besides that, I have my mind clutter taken care of, and I'm able to get to work. Hundred percent right. So we'll start since that's your your experience. We're going to start with walking and the benefits for your mind, and there are many. But I'll start with some of the the top. So 
Walking helps to fuel your creativity. And there's a fascinating study out of Stanford University that a 20-minute walk can boost your creativity, your ability to generate new creative ideas by 60%. So there is that element that you refer to where you have these thoughts and these unformed ideas percolating in your mind. And you need your creative power to pull them together into something. Now, we tend to be a culture where we think that if we're going to work hard, if we're going to figure something out, we need to sit in front of our computers until we figure it out. But the research shows that really one of the most powerful things you can do is to step away and give your brain the opportunity to really process what it needs to process. The other thing that happens when you're walking is that you turn on, you switch on this sort of automated system in your brain, and it frees your mind to think more creatively and more freely. And again, to generate, to form those connections and generate those ideas. So you hear from people often, I have my best ideas either while I'm walking or while I'm in the shower right? That's what people say all the time. And when you're walking, you have all of the additional benefits that a walking practice gives you. Yeah. I'd okay. just like to point out very briefly, and uh, I'm not going to stop your flow, but I just want to say for our listeners, I've mentioned this before in other episodes, there's actual science that backs up why we have our best ideas in the shower. And it has to do with the combination of the water and the temperature. It also has, it also implicates the default mode network in your brain. Uh-huh. Uh, which is what also gets activated when you walk. So all of those things come together. Adding on walking has been shown to reduce the levels of cortisol in your body, the stress hormone. So when you talk about when you have all of these ideas or you have that feeling of anxiety because you just are being pulled in too many directions or whatever it is that fuels your anxiety, if you reduce the levels of cortisol, it enables your brain to function a bit better. So that's a second mental benefit. Walking boosts your energy. There's a really interesting study out of the University of Georgia that they took a bunch of college students, right? College students are always trying to boost their energy. And they compared the energy boost of a 10-minute walk with some stairs, so a little bit higher uh, effort versus the energy boost of a shot of espresso. And they found that the walking was better. So when you need that additional energy to keep you going and you're thinking a cookie, a cup of coffee, you know, that three o'clock, three, four o'clock slump that so many of us have, if you really want to fire up your brain, a walk is a really powerful way to do that as well. And then there's the long-term brain health. Walking, a regular walking practice reduces your risk of Alzheimer's and dementia. And this I love. It literally makes your brain bigger. So what they have seen is that a regular walking practice can increase the volume of your hippocampus. Um, And I don't know about you, but I'm suspecting that you, me, and most of your listeners, like, I would love a little bit extra brain power. Yeah, please. Now, (laughs) 10 out of 10 recommend, yes. (laughs) Exactly. We'll take all we can get, right? So the last piece is memory. And this ties into dementia, Alzheimer's, and just literally a stronger brain. And that is a regular walking practice has been shown to improve both your short-term and your long-term memory. And here's a really wacky study. 
if you're trying to remember, if you're trying to pull up like a short-term memory, like, geez, where did I leave my keys? There's a study that shows if you walk backwards, you are more likely to remember where you left your keys, which I don't really understand why, but it's certainly interesting to think about. To me, it sounds like you're just reversing the path because I can tell you what's not helpful in finding your keys is if somebody asks you, well, where did you have them last? <laughs> Gee, if I knew that. But, that but, 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 I, but I actually do see the logic behind that. Literally walking backwards, reversing the trajectory of time and creating event trigger associations just by moving back step by step by step. Because at some point you left your keys somewhere yep. and if you're not actually holding them in your hand, which I do encourage people to check because I've done that one a few times too. Usually I leave them in a pocket. That's my thing. A jacket, especially this time of year where jackets are the thing. Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, I, I, I try and have a good practice of putting my keys in the same place, but every so often I do manage to screw it up. Although I did get, do get right about 95% of the time. The other 5% of the time I'm tearing the place apart while I'm holding <laughs> in my hand. I swear. <laughs> That's like when you're looking for your glasses and they're on the top of your head. Yeah. So I do. I've done that one. Oh yeah. I've done that. So, ba so basically what I'm hearing here, and if we want to apply this to entrepreneurial work styles and corporate work styles, let's start there, is that the nature of these environments in and of themselves are not conducive to the power of the brain and the power of health that we can gain through walking. For people who, walk in, who work in cube farms, and I make fun of this in my book extensively because I wrote a book and I can, you know, the idea that Unless you're sitting upright at your cubicle, facing your computer, you're responding to all emails in 15 minutes, answering all phone calls on the second ring, and returning all calls you miss within five minutes, it's not actually work. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I also, I, and, I've, and I've told many stories about my obtuse fucking moron of a boss's boss who made the decision for me that I was definitely going for entrepreneurship, and I will use out bestow that title upon her in every episode if I can, because she's just such a perfect example of how not to do things. Among her many things she had to process and try and be helpful about was she heard reports that I was walking around the office a lot. Well, A, she was the one who put me in charge of an ongoing project that involved collaboration with another department who's on the other side of the building. So I would walk down there to work on the project. Excuse me, I didn't want to do that over the phone, that I thought it was easier to work with people directly. And number two, it was actually that same phenomenon I described to you earlier. I'd find myself with my mind going 20 different directions, but not very far, trying to get focused on either a task or a project, and standing up and moving around for a few minutes did the trick. Absolutely. I honestly. And then we wonder, then we wonder, now I'm getting fired up. Then we wonder <laughs> why we have these studies that show for people like creative workers, administrative workers, um, executive workers, and such who work in office or cubicle type environments, they, they're put in that eight hour day, which also includes the hour for lunch and the two mandated 15 minute breaks. Why is it these studies show consistently, and this is a number you see frequently? that the average amount of actual productivity that comes out of that worker per day is two hours and 54 minutes. 
Why do the studies show that when the bug hit and work from home became an, a mandated necessity, that people were only putting in four-hour days, but that was actually an improvement? The short answer is we're not wired to sit in front of our computers for eight hours, seven hours. We're just not. Our brains are not. And and I don't know about you, but I don't want to rewire my brain so that that's how it's most productive. No, no, no. I'm happy to embrace the fact that that's not how I'm meant to work at my best. And now we just have to find a way to align workspaces and expectations and the way we're doing things with the way that we're meant to do things. Let me take this one step further. I make the observation so many times. I I have the laptop lifestyle and I spend uh, most of my days with my laptop either on or nearby. However, I frequently change locations. I have several different places I work from and I move from one to the other. Part of that is dictated by the fact that different locations give me a different vibe, but also just the moving around has a function of recharging and re-energizing the same way that starting your car recharges your battery. I have an expression that I, I say often, and it's actually a chapter in my book, which I suspect you will totally relate to. Uh-huh. And the way I put it is sometimes you have to wake up and see something different. Yeah, that's I've, I have heard that saying before, but tell us more what you mean by it, because I love books. Uh, exactly that, that we, you find when you do the same thing, go to the same place or totally in the routine. And it's such a paradox because there is a lot of power in those routines and those habits, but you stop seeing the world around you in the same way. You stop observing the details and that kind of fresh, different input is also a tremendous trigger for your creativity. Yeah, well, that's, that is indeed the case, which, again, is why I think we see burnout in workplaces being manifested by this whole thing of the two hours and 54 minutes worth of average productivity. As an entrepreneur, as somebody who doesn't work set hours, I will, at time, from time to time, have my laptop open, and I'll be hanging out somewhere, and let's say it'll be Saturday around 6 o'clock, and I'll get these pedestrian comments like, man, do you ever stop working, or... Do you really want your client to know you work 24-7 or don't you have a life or your boss is such a slave driver? And I will just and I will just straight up look him dead in the eye and I'll say, I'm actually not working right now. I'm on Tinder and I just scheduled a date with your wife. Nice. <laughs> so now that I have your attention, uh, you can just sit down. I didn't really mean that. I don't have a date with your wife. Um, well, the point I want to make to you is I don't go by hours. I don't go by nine to five or anything like that. I establish commitments and deadlines and I fulfill them. And if they need to be adjusted, I be as proactive as I can in making those adjustments. That's it. So beyond that, I work when my energy tells me to work. There are days when I don't really have any urgent pressing deadlines and I'm just not feeling worky. So I don't. And do you but, walk but, on those days? I do. But sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes, Saturday at six o'clock, 
I am on a tear. And it might be after I took a walk for all we know. <laughs> and when I, when that energy and that creativity is coursing, I'm riding it. That's how I do. Absolutely. You know, listening to your own, tuning into your own rhythms and being able to honor those is incredibly powerful. Right. And I, and I encourage others to, as much as possible, see it that way. Now, I understand that service industries, uh, public utilities, emergency services such as police, fire, ambulance, uh, medical practices to a degree, there are certain types of work and certain types of industries where people do have to have set hours. I get that. But I also know that there are a lot of people who don't actually need to work set hours in order to be productive. And in fact, maybe more productive if they weren't. One of the things we saw during what, after the bug hit and we started this work from home stuff that was way overdue, in my personal opinion, is you saw some companies that would actually expect people to have webcams turned on showing the inside of their homes, which to me is a violation of privacy. And I would quit such a job. Uh, then you have the scheduling of constant meetings just to make sure that they can't wander off or they'll do things like randomly message you on slack for no reason and then time how long it takes to respond now these are the companies that uh, found themselves on the short end of the great resignation i've seen other companies where let's say it's a customer service role your job is to deal with incoming customer service chatter incoming customer service calls you could sit on your couch and do it. It doesn't matter as long as you respond promptly and you do a good job. And if uh, and let's say that uh, you were in a situation where you needed to be on call from nine to five, but you didn't necessarily have to be in that place. As long as you could have your texts and your calls forwarded to you and respond promptly and that anything came in, it didn't matter if you weren't just sitting there waiting for it or doing busy work uh, uh, activity instead of action. And those, are, and those are the companies that stole all the people that greatly resigned from the other companies. It's, it was, a, I agree with you. It was a long overdue shakeup. Yeah. And we'll see what happens as the world starts to return to a more normal kind of cadence. Well, I, I don't like the phrase new normal because to me that has connotations that things are never going to be as quote unquote good as they was as they were, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but I actually preferred the idea of breaking something to build something that's better than we ever saw before. Here's the analogy I like to use. And this can apply to business leaders. It can apply to politicians. It can apply to presidents. It can apply to uh, motivational leaders, whatever it is. There are some folks who break and there are some people who fix. And let me let me develop that. Let's say that, Joyce, let's say that I don't know what your living situation is, but let's say hypothetically, you bought a plot of land and there was a house on it. And you decided that you were going to knock that house down and build a different house that was more to your specifications. You with me so far? Yep. Okay, so what's the first thing you need to do? Break out the sledgehammer. Okay, but that's going to take too long. And besides, you have walking stuff to do. What are you going to do? You're going to hire a... I guess I'm going to hire a demolition team. Bingo. Okay, so the demolition team is going to come in. They're going to bring their wrecking balls, their sledgehammers, 
They're going to be certified with explosive and asbestos removal and all that other fun stuff that makes tearing down buildings so much more of a hassle than you think it would if you didn't know the industry. So once that old house is gone, they've picked up all the uh, all the the leftover lumber and everything, and you just have the big hole in the ground. What happens next? Well, if there's a big hole in the ground, you start with a foundation. Okay, uh, the, you're you're about to answer my question here. Uh, who pours the foundation? Uh, the foundation guy. <laughs> okay, once the foundation's in, who builds the house? The builder. Okay. I don't know exactly where we're going with this, but I'm I'm working with you. We're, we're actually there. Did you notice how the demolition company didn't do all the work? Okay. The point I'm bringing up here is that sometimes you need one force to create the disruption so that another force can build something from the disruption. Fair enough. Yeah. The demolition company very rarely also builds the house because demolition is a very specific set of skills. As I mentioned just a moment ago, these are typically companies that are certified to deal with asbestos removal, explosives, and environmental impacts, and so much more in ways that a general construction contractor would not need to be involved in. They're two different disciplines. You have your you have your catalysts and you have your builders. So as I see it, as I see it, the bug was a catalyst. So the question is, how do we become the builders? And what I love about your work is your efforts to build in the idea of simple physical movement as a way to make us more productive, more healthy, and more centered and aligned. Hundred percent. Yeah. So actually, I know we've covered a good bit of what you wanted to share with us already, but uh, let's say that you are, let me uh, put myself in a position of somebody who right now just can't seem to get motivated about getting up and walking. How do you get them to move? Because some folks, it's just hard. It is hard. Uh, It's not hard for some folks. It's really hard for most folks. And I think you have to begin with the idea that motivation, in my view, is a myth. So I believe that people who say I'm not motivated are sitting around waiting until they feel like taking a walk. Right. And and this is true in so many, so many different disciplines, but walking in as well. It is the action that builds the motivation. It's taking the first step that enables you to have the energy and the spirit and the fire to take the rest of the steps. So if you sit around waiting until you feel like and fill in the blank, chances are you're not going to feel like it because a body in motion stays in motion, but a body at rest wants to stay at rest. So I would start with the fact that when you need it most, you will feel like it the least. And you can't wait until you feel that motivation. You just have to go. And there are a couple of different ways to do that. The first is you can really build a walking habit. So a habit, something that you do so automatically that you don't even have to make that decision, whether it's first thing in the morning or towards the end of your day or a walk over lunch, whatever it is, whatever time works for you, and really make that a habit. 
The second way is to be more of what I call an opportunistic worker, which I think, Adam, goes a little bit to what you were referring to earlier, which is when you feel that sense that your mind needs a little untangling. And when you start to tune into yourself, you feel that anxiety, you feel that that need to untangle your thoughts and take that as the opportunity to throw on your sneakers and take a walk. Right. I love the opportunistic aspect of it. And yeah, I know what I know. It's like you're so used to sitting around, you become sedentary. I think that affected a lot of folks, especially within the past two years. And what it also surfaced is people have been living that way since cube farms became a thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and, that, and, that, and then you have then you have corporate cultures that actually get in the way with this. I told you my own personal experience. Me getting up and moving around was portrayed by some ninny with a title as me having issues with focus and comprehension. It's like, uh, no, 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 no. It was me literally doing the job you assigned me to do and restoring and replenishing energy to deal with having to work for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So we could talk a little bit about walking for your emotional well-being. For your let's do that. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. So the research shows that, as I as I mentioned, walking reduces your levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, which doesn't do any of us any good unless we're running from, you know, the saber-toothed tiger, or we have something short-term that requires an intense stress response. But the way we're all walking around with this low level, constant level of stress and cortisol, not good for us. So that has a real impact both on our mind and our moods. And walking boosts the happy hormones, the serotonin, the dopamine, the endorphins, the things I call them nature's gifts, the things that make us feel good and encourage us to keep doing things that are actually good for us. I'm so glad I'm speaking with you today. As I said, not only am I the host, I'm also the number one student. Now I have just noticed and understand a trend. There are times when it'll be fairly late at night and uh, I won't be able to really go for a walk per se. But what I will do is I will go out to my sumptuous Las Vegas balcony and I will pace back and forth on the balcony, which is possible because it's pretty wide while smoking a cigar. And then I wonder why it takes me an additional three hours to get to sleep after that, even if I had been pretty much ready to turn in any given time before I went out there. And it's also why sometimes I find myself all of a sudden in a massive creative mode after I do that. And it's getting into the middle of the night. It's because I was moving around. Yeah, you're firing up all those things, Uh which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I'll give you this piece Walking out, uh, particularly outdoors, particularly in the daylight, particularly earlier in the day before noon, has been shown to be really effective in helping to uh, adjust our circadian rhythms and help us sleep. So, for anybody who is wrestling with poor sleep, I strongly suggest you try a morning walking practice over some period of time and see if that helps. It doesn't help everybody. Some people, the sleep thing can really be a thing for some people, but for many people, they find that early in the day walking really helps. 
All right. At, at, at this point, I have a few random questions, one of which is, <laughs> uh, and again, because I want to cover a lot of bases that are inspired by some of my memories and some things I'm noticing within my own patterns. Is it better to walk alone or with somebody? Oh, see, I could, we could talk for a long time about this. So I actually delivered a TED talk just before the pandemic started all around the power of walking with another person. And the answer to that is like with many things, it depends. So some very special things happen when you walk with another person. You tend to sync up your steps. You tend to fall into a rhythm together. You have this increased creativity, this reduced stress, and that uh, really fosters communication. You will fire up a little bit of oxytocin, which is the hormone that makes us more collaborative and more feel more connected. So there's tremendous benefits of walking with other people. And the flip side of that is I believe that we all need time in solitude. We all need time with our own thoughts. So my that's a long answer to say both. There is no better. They both have tremendous value. I wanted to run that by you because I, again, I'm seeing, I'm seeing pictures. Uh, now in the, like in the title of this interview, you mentioned Steve Jobs, for instance. And how many photographs are there of Steve Jobs walking with somebody? Yeah, so so he was notorious for walking meetings. Yes. He would take walking meetings around the Apple campus, and that was just one of the things that he did. And you think back to Aristotle, and he taught while he walked. He didn't teach, he didn't teach sitting in a classroom. He taught while he walked with his students. Wow. I that 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 I didn't know. The Steve Jobs thing and the walking meetings, I knew. Uh he was not a huge fan of what we traditionally and connotationally think of as a meeting in a business environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And of, he was right. I actually liked about him. Yeah. Uh, some of the things that some of the most creative thinkers have always known instinctively about walking, now there's a lot of science to back that up. Right. So now here's another question. What if you can't walk? So if you truly can't walk, I'm sure there's research on movement patterns for people who are wheelchair bound. It's not my area of expertise at all. But what I will say is that I do believe that we have given people the message that when, when we say walk, take a walk, or take a walk for uh, uh, mixing words together, take a walk for fitness or wellness. People think, oh, I've got to go out and walk two miles at a power walking pace to get any benefit. And that's the piece that I think is really important to try to disabuse because any walking is good walking. You can't walk a mile, walk to your mailbox and back. And tomorrow, walk a tiny bit further. Because for most people who are not dealing with real injuries or physical problems, just really deconditioned and not into the habit of walking, you will start to build up fairly quickly. And truly, any walking, any movement is good. Okay. Yeah, that's, I was just thinking of that because I wanted to make sure, aside from just the general principle of being inclusive, I'm thinking, 
of folks who have been in leadership positions who were incapacitated from walking, uh, whether they were in wheelchairs or unable to walk without some sort of assistance, the idea of getting up and moving around isn't going to be the same thing for them. And studying some of these folks, and Franklin D. Roosevelt comes to mind, that uh, he was wheelchair-bound during his presidency. And in studying him, I've learned so many stratagems he p- put in place to keep himself from getting trapped. And what I mean by trapped is forced into conversations or issues that he either was unable or unwilling to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. It's a whole, it's a whole nother world. Uh, but you did, yeah. you did actually allude to people who can't walk without assistance. Yeah. And to that, I walkers, canes, I'm all about it. Walking poles, all of it. Somebody to lean on. It's all good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let me see if there's anything else we need to cover here. And then I'm going to ask you for some final thoughts here. Uh, so basically, you know, what I'm, what I'm getting overall is that if somebody is in a situation where they haven't walked and they're not motivated to do so, it's sort of like how to get from plan A, from point A to point B. The thing you can do right now to move from point A to point B is step, take a step toward point B. That's exactly right. Yep. Exactly if, right. Yeah. If you, if you're handed if you're handed a 20-pound pumpkin to devour, what's the first thing you can do? Take a bite. And that bite counts. And that's the message that we just, it, it flies a little bit in the face of some of the messages that, that our common culture is giving us. That first yeah. bite counts. That first step counts. Uh-huh. So I, what I love about speaking with you today, and I think the message that I would like our listeners to hear, and I'd like to see what anything else you'd like to add is that we talk so much about physical fitness, which means going to a gym or subscribing to some sort of physical fitness routine. And all in all, that stuff is great, but could also find itself being something that's kind of forced for somebody who is just not motivated to do it because it's not their priority at that time. For whatever reasons, they're in alignment with their own truth and they should not be judged for it. Uh, At the same time, at the same time, we can solve so many of these issues with productivity, which leads to profitability, which leads to greater mental, spiritual, and physical health simply by, in as much as we can, getting up and walking around. Yep. That's sort of it in a nutshell. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, I do want to make sure that people have the opportunity to check out what you're doing here. And I know that uh, one of your websites is at www.99walks.fit. So tell us about that. So 99 Walks is a monthly walking challenge designed predominantly primarily for women, though we do have a couple of guys in the pack, but it is predominantly women. And each month, our members set their own monthly walking goal, whatever that goal is for them. We provide a slew of tools to help them on their journey. We've got walking meditations. We've got walking classes. We've got a a wonderful walk tracker. And when our PAC members achieve their goal, we send them, uh, we actually send them a bracelet in the mail engraved with the theme of the month. Every month we're all walking and working towards a new theme. Can I have some gluten-free vegan brownies? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> can I have some, can I have some gluten free vegan brownies for your? <laughs> when I meet for, my goals, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. You can have anything you want. It's your goal. Well, I lo- I love that. Your journey is your journey. Your priorities are your priorities. As I say so often, what's really cool is I know it has a it has a tracking app where you can actually see what you're doing. And I would encourage everybody to visit that website at www.99walks.fit. And so with that, Joyce Shulman, thank you so much for being I, with us today. It, it was my pleasure. Super fun. Honor and believe me in education. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.